Welcome to the 8th Amazing Race Canada 4 recap episode of the Your Team Number podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as always is the Canadian who never sweats at the gym, Logan Saunders. Morning. Good morning. And it, it feels like we had some sort of weird dream last week where we talked about a bizarro version of this episode. Yeah, something about uh, having to carry a tray of drinks and somehow that came to fruition. Yeah, something about going to the Hotel Ambos Mundos and visiting Ernest Hemingway's suite and the classic cars and dressing up as a pig and swimming across the busy shipping lane. Yeah, we were we were halfway. We were halfway there. Yeah. Surprisingly, we weren't that far from the truth, for once. Mm-hmm. So I will say thank you to Amazing Race Australia and also to Amazing Race, or to Hammerots for inspiring me with some of the locations, because it did actually help. And, quite coincidentally, it also inspired Amazing Race Canada. Although not as much as it should have. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, they, they could have easily just lifted half of the tasks from either of those pairs of legs, not even a single leg, from either of those pairs of legs. They could have just lifted the tasks off them and had a decent leg. And, you know, we differ on how much we enjoyed this episode. I didn't particularly think it was a very good episode. You, you seem a bit more bullish on it than I was. Yeah, I think we I think we have a bit of a contrast in reaction to how this episode went down. Yeah, I I think it actually boils down to the fact that I've seen Cuban legs of the Amazing Race before, and you haven't. Yeah, this is brand this is brand new to me. This is what happens when I haven't seen Amazing Race Australia two yet, which is pretty much the only English speaking season ever that I haven't seen any bits of at all. Yeah, whereas the first Cuban leg that I encountered was the one that ended with the most ridiculous cliffhanger in Amazing Race uh, history. This doesn't spoil anything. You know how they had to drive Cuban cars? Yes. Yeah, one team drove over some train tracks and stalled the car. And they played in a train a train whistle sound effect and then faded to black and said to be continued. <laughs> but they were going to be ran over by a train? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It's like an old western, minus being tied down. This is why Amazing Race Australia 2 is one of the best seasons of all time. Because even in their weaker legs, because I differ with a lot of people about, I I wasn't a big fan of the Cuba legs in Amazing Race Australia 2, but even then they found the ridiculousness that Amazing Race requires. And even better, that is not the best thing that that team does in the season. There is one particular gold standard moment that actually makes them a top tier team of all time. Is that the whole uh, being arrested incident? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> the driving into the royal palace in Dubai and not even coming in last that leg. So, previously, all that time ago, six teams continued racing from Volda Mussoliniville to Kingston, Ontario. At the changeover of trains in Toronto, Julian and Emmett grilled Frankie and Amy about who gave them their express pass, and Frankie broke easily. At the detour, Steph and Kristen blasted ahead, allowing them to U-turn our very own fart faces, Julian and Emmett, who passed it on to Joel and Ashley. At the roadblock, Kristen also dominated, as her and Steph didn't even need their express pass, and checked in first for the third time in a row. Julian Lowell fell behind at a blind look task and couldn't catch up, becoming the fifth team to be eliminated from the race. I liked how they showed, they, uh, showed Emmett stumbling over the roadblock again and him saying Prospera instead of, uh, was it Prosperous? So It's Prosperous, he, he said. Yeah, and it's funny because there's a stadium in Kelowna called Prospera Place, so maybe that's what he was trying to talk about. Probably. He does just have Kelowna on the mind. Yeah, and then... Uh, and then it was funny online I saw this morning that somebody complained that Steph and Kristen are so arrogant that they didn't even use their express pass because that's how arrogant they are. They didn't even think they needed to use it. Hey, casual fan who complained about them not using the express pass. This is how it should be. Teams don't need express passes. And in fact, every season we should just see Monty tossing it into the grass and littering Canada's canals. He doesn't even paddleboard the canals. You approved of that photo, did you? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> when I went away all that time ago, um, we were sailing out of Norway, and there was someone paddleboarding on basically quite far out of Oslo's harbour. And I saw this, and I thought, I have to take a photo of them. I have to tag Logan in it, because there is an Amazing Race 27 reference in this. I cannot resist. And no one else will get it. Yeah. And I finally remembered to actually tag you in it yesterday. Norway, where they paddle in each other's backyard canals. So teams must now take a train back to Toronto and then fly to Havana, Cuba. And once there, they need to take a taxi to Castilla Real de Fuerza and search for a replica of the Blue Nose, behind which is their next clue. And they have $450 for this leg of the race. Do they actually have the Blue Nose replica in the middle of Havana, or was that planted there? I would assume, looking at it, they probably do, because it seemed to have a, a sign explaining about the, uh, the Blue Nose as well on it. You know Amazing Race Canada pushes the whole Canadian patriotism a bit too much when this is the second time they've, <laughs> they've incorporated going to a Blue Nose replica. And... Also, I love the fact that Monty just thinly veiled the reason they were going to Cuba by saying, yeah, Canadians come here to go to the Caribbean, I guess. Mm-hmm. A million Canadians and zero Americans are, well, I guess that's not so much the truth now, but still pretty close to zero. I mean, everyone was expecting Turks and Caicos to be the first Caribbean leg of the Major Race Canada. Well, yeah, because that's supposed to be like our last imperialistic effort to adopt an 11th province. Or Fourth Territory, however that may be. Our Hawaii. Do you suspect, as I do, that they maybe thought about doing the Turks and Caicos leg and then thought, this is too hard, we'll just do the Amazing Race International Standard of Cuba? I think so. I'm guessing that there's probably not too many locations to visit in Turks and Caicos. It's probably just entirely a resort area from top to bottom and that there's not actual neat locations to visit there. I mean, they didn't even scratch the surface of some of the locations that we've seen in Cuba. 
because my favourite clue card of all time comes from Razor Race Australia 2's visit to Cuba, where they ripped the clue open and it said, travel to Australia, because there is a township in Cuba called Australia, and they were so confused. <laughs> Drive yourselves to Australia. And that was basically all they showed in the preview. And that is where um, they feed crocodiles all the time, because that's why it's called Australia. Cuban crocodile. There's always some sort of Cuban crocodile feeding task there. And they missed out on it, eh? I wonder if, like, the Canadian viewers would have been pissed off that they'd be going to Australia, Cuba, because that would be like a double international leg when they should keep it within Canada or some, some crap like that. Well, to be fair, they're going to Sydney next week. Yeah, well, that's at least within Canada. At least it's half, half, uh, half domestic. Going to Sydney, Nova Scotia. Going back to our, our discussion a few weeks ago about um, about trolling them by saying, fly to Kingston, Ontario. Yeah, I hear the Sydney Opera House in in Sydney, Nova Scotia. There's just some abandoned house with some person just yelling in it. Yeah, where Mr. Opera lived. Yeah, Mr. Opera. <laughs> Mr. Sir John A. Opera. And teams are moved to Kingston City Hall for this leg of the race. And Stefan Christen departed at 9.09 with Rita and Yvette at 10.35, Joel and Ashley at 10.45, Gillian and Emmett at 10.58, and Frankie and Amy at 10.59. And Joel and Ashley do not want to be uh, third nations. They're, the, they, they're first nations. They're first rate and third nations. <laughs> and I want to ask you a question. Do you still think Rita and Yvette are winning this season? Uh I think they're still. I think they'll be there at the end. I think they still have a very strong chance of winning. Because if you think back to us comparing Frankie and Amy's edit to Amy and Maya, we had the OTT positive um, confessional at the start of this leg. Yeah, I thought for sure they were going to be the next team eliminated. Based on that, I even wrote down a lot of curse. And as soon as that confession aired, I'm like, oh crap! There's a very good chance they could be going home this leg because that was way over the top. There is only one reason that I can see for them to be including that in, and that's Frankie Naomi winning. I can see that, yeah. Because we had the over the top positive confessional of Frankie telling. Telling us basically that she had Amy at the age of 16, didn't get a chance to travel, and is so honoured and privileged to be able to travel around Canada and the world with her daughter. So either they win or they're the next ones eliminated. Or both, when the revival pass gets used. Yes, there's going to be an amazing East China uh, twist uh, thrown in. It's a Twisto's twist, or a Mentos twist. It's a Mentos Ment. Oh, you know what was funny is that when the Mentos thing appeared, it was right when Steph was at the peak of feeling hopeless at the roadblock. So it's like Mentos was indirectly trolling Steph. It's like the, the Mentos fail moment of the week. Steph trying to um, create uh, make those gaskets. There was a Mentos appearance in this episode? I didn't see a Mentos. Yeah, it was really subtle. Like it, like it definitely didn't fade to black and white at all. I love how obvious CGI it was this time. They didn't even try and hide it this time and try and make it look like there was actually a Mentos bottle there. No, they just CGI'd it. They should have just thrown one in Hemingway's room. <laughs> just have the banner appear before the woman opens the door and then just go, <laughs> it's It's in the 360 degree tour too. And this is the chair where 
Ernest Hemingway would sit down and eat his Mentos when he needed to think of ideas for his next novel. We've not had a Mentos task yet, so what they should have done was given them a pack of Mentos and told them to spell out their next root marker. You know, if it's Hemingway, they could just try and spell out the word alcohol on it or something like that. Given that the legacy of Hemingway's room on Amazing Race is basically deliver all your drinks here, I wouldn't be surprised. Or uh, what they also could have done is, if it's the if it was like the last Mentos appearance of the season uh, this week, um, they could have uh, spelled out a farewell to Mentos. My joke was that uh, Hemingway wrote a book called A Farewell to Art, so that's why I thought it'd be funny if they had to write a, a, a farewell to Mentos and spell it out with Mentos in Hemingway's room. That joke did not land whatsoever. But yes, I had to read that book uh, in university. And I love how, as teams were just running into the the Castillo, um, we just get a Franken edited Emmett. It's so blatantly not from that scene. No, it was definitely pulled out from one of the other earlier episodes. It, it just made me chuckle. So, once teams find the Blue Nose, again, they have the detail for the leg, which is sugar or shake. And in sugar, teams must visit the African country of Gabon and find the sugar shack to get the next clue. Oh, sugar kuipers in this episode? Oh, I didn't. I, that wasn't in my version, Michael. In sugar, teams must use a manual grinder to extract 15 litres of sugarcane juice uh, from the sugarcanes, and then take two trays of drinks each to Parquet Humboldt for returning back to the bar that they started at to collect their next clue. And in shake, teams head straight to Parquet Humboldt and learn a casino salsa routine. And once they perform it correctly, they receive their next clue. That casino salsa routine uh, sounds like a gamble to me. Yeah, I think you're more familiar with casino salsa than I am. Um, did you notice that Monty uh, really loved his alliteration with this detour? It's really stuck out to me, because he referred to Cuba as having the lusty Latin lifestyle, and also being the country of rhythm, rum, and revolution. And we all know which of those Monty uh, prefers. The lusty part? No, out of uh, rhythm, rum, and revolution. Oh yeah, and the rum. The rum. No, because he's a red. Oh yeah, he... Yeah, he, he, he should really move to uh, Cuba then. That'd be the he could he could rent out Ernest Hemingway's room. I did hear in the the manager rest period, Monty did walk down the street of uh, Havana chugging a pitcher of rum. <laughs> Cheers to you, Havana. Cheers to you, Fidel. <laughs> and then gets it t- replaces the Canadian flag tattoo on his chest with the Che uh, Che Guevara tattoo. <laughs> You know how you didn't go and see Weird Al when he was doing his Manager World Tour? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't get to see him, unfortunately. Still annoyed about that. When we went to see him, I bought the tour t-shirt and my brother bought a Weird Al as Che Guevara t-shirt. Oh yeah. It's awesome. I just thought you wanted to know. Viva la Weird Al! Viva la Mandatory Fun Tour. And you know who was the best NPC of the episode? The guy on the stilts or the clown with the dog on top of his head? No, it was the old woman jiggling at Shake. I didn't even notice her. It was right after they had explained Shake. I think it was as Rita and Yvette were arriving. We just saw an old woman for like a second just jiggling. Really? Yeah. (laughs) How did I not notice this? I don't know, because usually you are quite good at picking up on old women jiggling. (laughs) 
Yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like a Logan thing to notice. I love how it's just slowly become me lying about your personal life whenever I talk about you. <laughs> like with the ORG, when I I say you always have trouble dressing uh, German girls. Oh, I, I'm still never gonna live that task down. Those are the right eyelashes. My favorite thing thing is that you actually predicted that you would suck at your first roadblock, and you were right. <laughs> what can I say? Dressing up uh, Oktoberfest waitresses is not my specialty. And um, Emmett describes Sugar the Task, not Sugar Kuiper, as the best workout he's ever had, but he doesn't even sweat at the gym. That means he's not working hard enough, man. Exactly. He doesn't sweat. He glistens. Exactly. He is the, he is the misty of Amazing Race Canada, minus the sparkling tea. Well, m- minus the, uh, the star me. And the star me, yes, and the star you. Star you, star me. And the jean shorts. You know which Misty I was referring to. This is an Amazing Race podcast, not a Pokemon podcast. Mike. I like to subvert expectations. Hey, you've not seen Survivor Australia yet. I can't even make it a Survivor Australia podcast. Talking of which, Ben and Michelle will be recapping Survivor Australia very soon because we're working on the edit at the moment. Oh, yeah. And it's very entertaining. I am editing uh, parts of it. So I know something everyone else doesn't know. And um, Rita gets distracted by her instructor. And I get distracted by Joel's hat. Where did that hat come from? We never see it before the task and we never see it afterwards. We finally get an Amazing Race Canada version of uh, Colby's furry hat. That's exactly what I wrote down too. It's like, huh, Joel really followed, a st- uh, followed in the footsteps of Colby Donaldson from Survivor Australia. Or that hat will be, will make just a little cameo and there will be no explanation for it whatsoever. You know who I wanted to see doing this task? Shala and Nabila. Just to see how they would have to quit that task? Exactly. Although them doing sugar would have been even funnier. Oh, they would have been hopeless operating the sugar cane. Like Shala would have probably torn her bicep or something like that and would have had to be taken out. No, she would have somehow managed to tear her ACL. <laughs> How did you do that, Shala? This this task didn't even incorporate using your legs at all. I don't even know. <laughs> ah! <laughs> at least I have cute outfits. <laughs> you see a bunch of people in like the Cuban re- revolutionary outfits have to. Like, have their hands underneath her arms, dragging her away from the sugar cane maker. Did you see the Reddit thread about who who everyone's favourite uh, international teams are? And you threw in Shala and Nabila. Of course I did. Everyone should throw in Shala and Nabila. They're the people's princesses. One, they were only in the Amazing Race Canada for one episode. But oh man, what an episode that was. I am pretty sure we have probably talked about them for at least ten times as long as they were actually on the screen. I think we've talked about them more than, like, the t- <laughs> the Tims. <laughs> In fact, we probably have talked about Shala and Nabila more than almost any other team from the first season other than Britton, Holly, and Helen Joanne. Yeah, that's because Helen Joanne are just iconic for destroying their legacy in five words. Yeah, the keep fitting F off, I believe. And, um, well, Holly and Brett were the first Quebecois crazy team, which is an archetype that Amazing Canada has taken and run with. Yeah, the bar has been set really high. What if they have just a really mellow Quebecois team for next season? 
I don't think they've ever managed to have a really mellow Quebecois team. I mean, Rita and Abet are the closest we've had to a, a non-crazy Quebecois team. Yeah, but they've integrated with Albertan society. So now they just get to suck at driving. Whereas we have Alain and Andre. We have Pierre and the Michels, Nick and Sabrina. And then we have Stefan and Antoine, who were taken from us far too soon. Yeah, that was tragic. I love how I found a tweet from Stefan from a few weeks ago to the RTV Warriors Twitter, at RTV Warriors if you want to follow us, where he just just said, yes, I am all wet. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I was looking through our notifications. <laughs> that is awesome on so many levels. Stefan just climbed like 20, 20 points right there. 20 points to Gryffindor. And Stefan did indeed say, yes, I am all wet. <laughs> That's awesome. I miss Stefan and Antoine. I'd like to see them and Nick and Sabrina just meet and be friends for life. And then Pierre and Michelle will somehow make that friendship uh, awkward. They would want, want them to separate from all the other uh, friendships that exist in the Masonry Canon and form their own friendships. Pierre and the Michelles will just um, use an express pass on the friendship so they don't have to deal with it. Yeah, that would be another very Pierre and Michelle thing to do. And uh, Ashley isn't used to people leading her in dances, because she's a lone wolf. Or a lone coyote. Or a lone eagle! (laughs) (laughs) And then Stefan Kristen's machine gets jammed, before Gillian just runs out into the streets of Havana with a tray of drinks, just going, English! Yeah, she probably, yeah, very Dana and Amanda of her. Like Newfoundland. Yeah, the only Dana and Amanda reference we'll ever make on this podcast. And then the big moment they've hyped up for two weeks was Steph cutting her finger. Yeah, the, who, there was just machetes left around. Like, oh, here's this machete, let's use this. <laughs> right, how on earth was Steph and Christian not told, do not do that? How did someone not run in and go, stop, don't do it, use another machine? I don't know, maybe production just had a sadistic sense of humor. Like, there probably was a machete, maybe there's, like, a bunch of used needles laying around, and there was also, um, um, like, a, I don't know, like, a, on those, uh, like, a flamethrower, uh, and then I think there was even a gun, and then, really, just Steph had to just pick one of those things to see what would help uh, with their sugarcane problem. And I, I can't fathom how Steph thought it was a good idea to stick a blade in a crusher and think that she would come off best. That's all adrenaline, Michael. You you don't think rationally when adrenaline comes into play. Yeah, I can pretty much guarantee that they will never, ever, 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 ever do a task like this again. Eh, I don't know. Maybe they like. Maybe Bickerton likes seeing blood. Um, uh, there's the one funny face that Seth makes when she's using the sugarcane machine. What was that? Oh, it was just a it was just a slightly suggestive face. You'll have to go back and uh, rewatch the task, but it, it made me crack up. Okay. It's right after Emmett talks about having the most intense workout without uh when he doesn't even sweat in the gym. There was nothing that was ever going to top Frankie for the battle this week. Well, Fra- well which was? It was when she said that finesse was the most important part of this task, and then immediately they cut to her falling flat on her face. <laughs> At the roadblock. Yeah, producers, editors, if any of you are listening, that is how you do humour on The Amazing Race Canada. That is everything I wanted. 
or uh, Jillian had another moment of a quote being taken out of context too when she was uh, when she was uh, pumping through the sugar cane, where she said, "The juice is coming. Keep going." You just really want me to clip everything from that test, don't you? Uh, just the Jillian quote would be uh, number one. Uh, yeah, she's like, the, the juice is coming. Keep going, honey. It's like, whoa, Jillian, crazy. She definitely was in the Sugar Shack if she was saying that. Yeah. The Sugar Shack, a little place where they, her and Emmett like to get together. If you see a painted sign at the side of the road that says 15 miles to the Sugar Shack. Yeah. Yeah, honey, the juice is coming. And by the end of the episode, somebody's tin roof will be rusted. Maybe that'll be the speed bump next week. <laughs> Rusting a tin roof. Yeah. <laughs> For coming in last in the last leg, Ruto and Yvette must spray this tin roof until it rusts. Yes, or they have to rust a, a B-52 missile. See, the last time B-52 um, bombers appeared on Amazing Race, it didn't really go well, so I'm not sure they'd go that far. What do you mean it didn't go well? That was when Amazing Race 22 visited Vietnam. The U-turn location was a downed B-52 bomber. Right. So that'd be a lot of traveling for Rena and Ben on that speed bump. Just for an 80s music reference? That's a bit excessive. One side of the detour was flying to the African country of Gabon, so... That's true. And heading to one of the national parks. Yeah, you said you wanted to see three continents in one leg, Michael, and you got it. Well, it'd still only be two, because it'd be North America and then... uh... Africa, but still. <laughs> and it's something I've noticed all season, but the episode titles have been crap this season. They've just been so uninspired. They really need to make them mildly inappropriate again. Because this week's was, I just want to win. That is not an episode title. It should be something obscure like most of our podcast ends. Mm-hmm. Or have like some sort of subtle reference that you have your mind has to be sharp to understand the joke that they're trying to make yeah i mean amazing race canada doesn't have the best history with episode titles anyway like the first season finale being oh the family face-off or whatever it was or the who do's and who don't that's when i go to episode titles that's always the one i like to point out that was at least a decent pun to do with the episode rather than you know i just want to win that could be any episode that's true it has to be something that's very specific to one of the tasks they're doing so Rita and Yvette are the first to leave Shake, with Jillian and Emmett leaving Sugar in second, and Steph and Kristen leaving Sugar in third, and then Joel and Ashley get rejected, and then they leave Shake in fourth with Frankie and Amy in last, and teams must now find the Camera Obscura, where they will listen to a guided tour, and must notice a race flag that is hanging from the Hotel Ambos Mundus, and use the uh, information that they were given in the guided tour to head to Ernest Hemingway's suite in room 511, where they will find the clue box with their next clue. Could you imagine if you're the person living in room 510 and just having tourists all day just coming through the the apartment next to you? I'd be so pissed if I was living in that room. I suspect that there probably isn't any other rooms on that floor. They've probably just turned them into storage or whatever. Well, what would be in there? All of Ernest Hemingway's unused uh, alcoholic beverages and another one is like rough drafts of all his books. It's where Monty stayed. Really? No. Why would I tell the truth on a podcast? Oh, right, yeah. Silly me. Silly me for taking your word. Come on, Logan. How, how many of these podcasts have you done with me now? Are we at like 115 about? 115 is, a, is the exact number. You are correct, I think. Ah. Yeah, 115 podcasts that we've done together now. Maybe by a 
podcast number 230, I'll begin to get skeptical of what you say. Maybe. Need to get to the point where you don't trust me anymore. That's true. Then I can start telling you the truth again. And those locals, the one guy was on stilts, there was a guy who was in a clown outfit with a dog on top of his head, there was the two small dogs sitting on the cart wearing old people glasses. Like, was there a circus going on that day? And then later on in the episode, Jillian doesn't even notice a dog. Yeah, the dog blended in with the sand. It sounds like an enemy you would see in a video game. A sand dog or something like that. Sounds like something they'd come up with for Gen 7 of Pokemon. Yeah. It's Sand Dog! There is a sandcastle Pokemon that is possessed by a ghost, I seem to remember. What? Have you not been following the Pokemon reveals for Gen 7 yet? Not too closely, no. There is a sandcastle Pokemon that is ground and ghost, I seem to remember. And all the promo art is basically of it inhaling Pikachu and then killing it. That's just sadistic. They've gone really quite creepy with it. The craziest one for me was the ice cream Pokemon. Yes, Vanillite. Or the so- the Ghost Sword. Or Clef Key, the keyring yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. It's like a possessed sword is now a Pokemon. And there's um, specific forms of Gen 1 Pokemon, like Executor and Execute, where um, they adapt to Alola and have different forms. And that there's like an ice version of Vulpix and Ninetales, and... Um, Meowth is dark, I seem to remember. That's right. And a, a water version of Growlithe, I, seem, I think. But he's a fire Pokemon. Pokemon should never change. It's just like Amazing Race Canada should never leave Canada. We have everything we need right here. We have everything within the 12 types. We don't need to have fairy types or dark types or steel types. What the hell is that? And something I like to pick up on occasionally, and something that was very obvious... Uh, this leg. Did you notice that some of the confessionals were definitely not from this leg, with the backgrounds? That it was from the next one, yeah. There was two different, very different backgrounds they use. Yeah, Rita and Yvette definitely had one that was from Canada. Joel and Ashley definitely did, because they were wearing coats again. Yeah, you don't wear coats in Cuba. Those those stores will go out of business very, very fast. But yeah, it was very, very noticeable with Rita and Yvette. And, um... Steph and Kristen are the only team to actually notice the flag before they go on their guided tour, which means they can just listen to the information. I love the I love the woman that's doing the tour. I don't know if you've seen the cartoon The Weekenders, but she sounds just like the lady in the in the Weekenders who like lectures the kids each time they go out to eat and they always get a meal at a different uh it's like a different fast food place, but each fast food place always represents a different country. And then there's a lady who comes over who lectures them about the Food and it's usually something that's not very appealing. Like, I don't know, like the, the Finnish eat this, I don't know, like this terrible soup or something like that. And like she said about the soup. Like the Swedish delicacy of Zerströmung. Sure, let's go with that. Are you aware of that? No, I'm not. Okay, I'll get, I'll get some info when you come to Europe then. Okay. <laughs> My first meal. Every, you guys will, <laughs> will have like really nice food. It's like, Logan, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta integrate yourself into the European culture. Here, eat this. I wish I hadn't told you about that, because that would have been amazing to actually try and get it for you. <laughs> and, then it's, it's, and then I'm like, I don't know, I don't know if I want to eat this, guys. And you say, oh no, we eat this all the time, it's just we're not eating it today, right now, when you're here, because we've been eating it so much over the past, we ate it the other six days of the week. Zerstromung is fermented Baltic sea herring, 
just enough salt is used to prevent the raw fish from rotting. A fermentation process of at least six months gives the lightly salted fish its characteristic strong smell and somewhat acidic taste. When open, the contents release a strong and sometimes overwhelming odour. The dish is ordinarily eaten outdoors. Yeah, like that's this type of thing they would say in the weekenders. That's exactly it. According to a Japanese study, a newly opened can of Zerstromung has one of the most putrid food smells in the world, even more so than similarly fermented fish dishes. It has one of the most putrid food smells. Bon appetit, guys. It's one of the favourite foods of um, Fort Bayard. But yeah, it was just hilarious that yeah, the woman sounded just like the woman from The Weekenders. It was, it was slightly uncanny. Spoke in the same tone and, and pentameter. So once teams get to Hotel Ambos Mundos, which I do enjoy saying, uh, they find out that it's the first double battle of the season, which is where they have to head to Playas del Estes Micaito and compete in a game of beach volleyball. And of course they mention it being an Olympic sport because it's the Olympics last week and no one cares. Uh, the first team to score 15 points gets their next clue. The losing team faces the next challenger, and the team who loses the final battle have to wait out a predetermined time penalty before they receive their next clue. Yay, face off! Yay, pointless twist coming back, and they're not using it to its full potential. Eh, I don't know, I have always been a fan of the double battle. I mean, it was an elimination lake, so it ultimately doesn't matter, because, well, we know how speed bumps go. But still, at least we get a double battle. But Monty said it was uh, the first double battle of the season, which means we're going to get a double battle on an elimination leg, which will probably be Final Four. Yeah, because next leg they're already previewing the another double U-turn, which is leg 9, and then leg 10 has to be the double battle because leg 11 is the finale. Oh, could you imagine the controversy, though, if they did a double battle on the final leg? Everyone would go bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Because teams are going to be on the same flight anyway, aren't they? Yeah, oh yeah, for the final leg. And if they do it early enough, it could at least have a, a great story. Because if they do it as, say, the second task of the leg, they do an active route info, then they do that. If they do that and then have another active route info at the end, which is the memory challenge, and it is a good memory challenge that actually tests people, the double battle won't matter that much. But also it gives them a an underdog story if that team then wins. I like how the next two legs are presumably going to be in Atlantic Canada. So like, well, we have to throw in as many twists as possible to keep it interesting this year. Because with past years, the Atlantic Canada legs are always our shortest legs to podcast about. I think, I think both Atlantic Canada legs during season two, we were able to record in 25 minutes or less, I think. Well, I think we recorded in about 40. I think I edited it down to about 25. <laughs> yeah. That's usually how it works. Because Atlantic Canada is just so boring to talk about. It really is. It's only, I mean, we're going to have another probably two fishing tasks minimum, I think, over the next two weeks. I'm fully aware that two of our regular listeners, especially, are proudly from Nova Scotia. But I'm sorry, Kurt, and I'm sorry, Mark, I really don't care about Nova Scotia that much. <laughs> I've already told Kurt this. I had this discussion with him while I was waiting for you to come on. I looked at just the tasks that they're previewing. They just look so boring. And I, I just think I don't care. <laughs> Welcome to Atlantic Canada, where nothing has changed over four seasons of Amazing Race Canada. And hey, if they, if they run out of ideas, they can just have another Blue Nose replica um uh during the next two rounds it, it's just one of those previews where i look at it and go i really couldn't give less of a shit 
And that's why they have to throw in a double U-turn next round and then another double battle after that. And I don't have very high hopes for the double battle at Final Four being any good. I wonder what they would do in Atlanta Canada as a double battle. Bagpipe playing? Anne of Green Gables trivia? Um, they can go to Halifax again. They can do Halifax a third time. Yeah, spoilers, they don't go to Halifax. I know where they go. Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to think. I'm assuming the next two legs will both be self-drive, because Atlantic Canada legs tend to be self-drive. Yeah, it's like the one reprieve you get on an Atlantic Canada leg. So, I don't know. It's got to be something reasonably native, and it appears in New Brunswick, so you probably know better than I do. Um, no. Surprisingly, people from British Columbia do not think too much about New Brunswick. The one thing that I remember about New Brunswick from Season 2 is that it's the only bilingual province, according to Monty. Yeah, they could translate something, but they already did that in the first leg. For some reason, Monty described it as bilingual. It's the only province that has both English and French as its official languages, rather than one or the other. So anyway, the double battle. So, in a three-way race... To get there first, it's Stefan Christen versus Jillian and Emmett in the first match. What? Stefan Christen and Emmett and Jillian are in the top two so far this leg? Man. And Rita and Yvette's Spanish-speaking couldn't help them actually get to the first match on time. Nope. And Jillian and Emmett win, with Stefan Christen only getting 12, because Steph's hand keeps bleeding. But then Stefan Christen beat Rita and Yvette. Rita and Yvette beat Frankie and Amy, and Frankie and Amy lose to Joel and Ashley. Did Amy get a concussion, you think, from uh, playing volleyball with, uh, who would have been, Rita and Yvette? I, I, in the online video, it looked like Emmett was the one that did that, but in the episode, it showed it as Rita and Yvette uh, hitting Amy in the head. No, it was Joel and Ashley. Or Joel and Ashley, sorry, yeah, Joel and Ashley. It was the, the very final shot. But yeah, I, I'm sure Frankie and Amy could probably tell you whether she got a concussion, but at least it ends the double battle on a hilarious note. Oh yeah, I love how Amy's like, you know, if it's above it's above your shoulders, you know, do it this way. And then Amy tries to bump it a second, like half a second later, and it hits her in the face. I believe this is the first volleyball task that we've seen on Amazing Race since uh, Hammerotz's infamous volleyball fast forward last year. Oh right, I was about to jump in with Amazing Race 27 with the first leg in Rio. They had volleyball on that as well. Oh, yeah, they did. The detour. Yeah, this was proper volleyball, though, wasn't it? Rather than... No, there was volleyball now. Yeah, it was volleyball with a twist, though, wasn't it? The Brazilians could only use their feet, just like an Amazing Race 2 and the fast forward with Shola Nguyen and Pegging Claire. I can't even believe that Pegging Claire wanted to try and play volleyball, beach volleyball, no less. And then the other teams could use their hands and feet to score points. Yeah, it was the... This is the first proper volleyball task we've seen since Hammerotz's infamous uh, volleyball fast-forward in Brazil last year. Yeah. I like Joel's diving stops as well. He was going all out on the court. Joel was the MVP of that task. Joel kicked ass. I wonder how Lowell would have would have done at a volleyball task. See, I wasn't going to make this joke. I thought about it and then thought, that is too mean for me to joke about. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not actually being serious. I wasn't trying to make a joke at all. I'm just thinking, like... Something like, like his last round, everyone said, oh man, you know, uh, Lowell was at a huge disadvantage. And then I'm thinking with this leg that if his sugarcane uh, machine got stuck and then he would have to try and use the machete precisely, that could have led to the same injury as Steph. And then there's the visual tour thing, which wouldn't have been too great for him. He wouldn't have been able to spot the flag, I don't think. And then there's there would have been a beach volleyball game. And then... Uh, and then what else? There, 
Oh, the the roadblock with the gasket making with how precise he had to be. That could have been really dangerous for him too with his uh, impairment. So this round would have been just as almost just as bad as last round, I think. Yeah, I don't think Julian Lowell would have done very well on this leg, being perfectly honest. So yeah, Stefan Christ and Bicker during their matches as well. That's the only other thing I've got for this. I wrote down that they channeled their inner Robin King from Amazing Race Ten with how often they said, "Babe, babe, 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 babe. the throat smiles at my head." <laughs> yeah, yeah, just replace the tomatoes with volleyballs, and there you go. So once teams get their clue after the double battle, they have to find Petrito's max breaks to find their next clue. It also struck me as how physical this leg was, like I was expecting it to be, and that's why I thought Emin and Jillian would win this leg or get be really close to it, because before the double battle, every everyone who did the sugar cane task, which were Steph and Kristen and Emin and Jillian, were already really exhausted by the time they even got to the to the volleyball court. I think that's probably more the humidity as well. Because it will be quite warm. In fact, they even said it was quite warm. Yeah. So, especially with the two international locations being both very warm places, I think it kind of uh, it kind of hurts them when it's a really physical leg as well. Yeah. And it's a roadblock, which is who's ready to seal the deal. And, and in this roadblock, one team member must watch a demonstration and then create that traditional Cuban thing of three engine gaskets from an old tyre to receive an exclude. And why on earth have both international locations featured a roadblock that involves mechanics? And it seems like every detour in any international of Amazing Race Canada involves dancing. And they're dancing again next week. I don't want to get into this too much, but it seems like they're just half-arsing it a little bit now, for me. With just how much they do the dancing tasks and whatnot? Yeah, they're just phoning it in. They really are. And I want to... I want to cover this at the end of the season about the state of play for Amazing Race Canada, but it's just so underwhelming when you have all the potential and none of the execution. You go somewhere that Amazing Race US hasn't been, and then you half arse it with the best task being just involving someone hurting themselves. If only they had uh, Bret Hart as a producer for Amazing Race Canada because he's the master of execution. That's according to Bret Hart, of course. I thought that was uh, Pierpoint, actually, personally, but whatever. Historical reference. But yeah, I'm I'm so disappointed because the cast is just great this season. And they don't have the excuse like they had of last season of, oh, all the stars are going early. Apart from Dana and Amanda and Susan and Jean. Oh, sarcasm. They don't have that excuse anymore. Because this cast is great. They had the result that they needed in the first leg of Anthony and Brandon going home. Yay! And... Just the legs, they're just, they're not trying anymore for me. They're not trying as hard as they should be. Yeah, I can definitely see that with, especially with how many, like, memorize the speech or do this dance that tends to plague almost every season. I think they really need to back off away from that in the future. Amazing Race US gets all the criticism from us for basically phoning it in and not even trying anymore that much. And occasionally they hit on something great like Amazing Race 27 or Amazing Race 26, or Amazing Race 25. But then you get just an underwhelming route, or an underwhelming cast, or both. And they have the great cast, and just a route that is letting them down, and the tasks that are letting them down. And for me, they're just appealing to the slightly xenophobic nature of certain people on the Facebook groups. And the the focusing on the wrong thing. 
anyway, rant over because we're going to deal with this in a few weeks. Right. Three weeks, I guess. Well, I'm hoping that we're going to do the normal finale recap and then probably do a special podcast as well. But that's penciled in at the moment. Right. I feel like we could probably tackle this. I feel like this could probably take an entire episode for us to tackle properly. And we don't have any more Amazing Race or any English language version until Amazing Race Asia in October. Which means that for the first time in a while on the podcast, you'll be taking about a month off, probably. Yeah, I don't know what I'll do with myself. Because there's we have a few shows for autumn, but there's no Logan shows until Amazing Race Asia. Yeah, the audience is going to be really sad about that. They are, because... Spoilers for what's coming soon. We have Survivor Australia, which is dropping hopefully reasonably soon after this podcast does as well. We also have Hunted, which I'm so excited about because that's back in a few weeks. Oh, the British version. Yeah. I still got to watch the first season. I'm like halfway through it. We have some entertaining, entertaining surprises coming that way as well with our new warrior, Anthony Williams. And then we have Amazing Race Asia. At the end of the week, we also have RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 2 which will be covered by another new Warriors, Spencer Wilson. And what else? There's one more, I think. Amazing Race 29, whenever that comes out. Well, yeah, Amazing Race 29, I'm not expecting until the new year now. Yeah, because they still haven't announced anything about it. No, depends when uh, something gets cancelled, I guess. And I wonder what that means for Amazing Race 30, then. Does that mean Amazing Race 30 is pushed to next September? I guess, yeah. Or dare I say 2018? Selfishly, I hope Amazing Race 29 doesn't come back till New Year, just because I have a lot on my plate with the podcast. But And I'll probably be in Spain at that time. Yeah, we'll, ha- we'll actually have some European timing on the, uh, the podcast. It'll be a lot easier for scheduling that. I think that can almost be guaranteed. <laughs> and let's be honest, there will be at least one podcast when you come over to the UK. So, yeah, Emmett, Steph, Rita, Joel and Frankie do this roadblock. And there is nothing to say about it because it's literally just watching people melt rubber. I don't know. I, something I like to do on a regular basis is watch rubber melt. That wouldn't surprise me. You've got to find some entertainment in Canada. Ugh, oh, no. I just thought of something really... Mild. Go on. Get on with it. Just, uh, well, it's just, uh, you know, uh, with, the, with the rubber and all in, in, the, in the roadblock... It's something that uh, Frankie probably really missed out on when she was 15 or 16. Oh. (laughs) I don't know what sort of contraceptives you use in BC, but I should hope that it's not an old tire. (laughs) No, no, I don't. We might be hippies in BC, but we wouldn't take it to that extreme. Why is this defective? No one sneaks into a... uh... A pharmacy avoiding their old babysitters yeah. to try and buy old old car tires, because <laughs> that would be a little bit weird. Yeah, yeah, be like they they said to use a rubber. I thought this is what they meant. I thought any any would do. Treaded for pleasure. <laughs> is that the tagline? <laughs> yes. Havana Nights. There's so many more dirty jokes I can think of there, but I'm trying not to. (laughs) (laughs) And then just the moment of the episode for me is Frankie saying, I can do this. This looks like a finesse task. Then immediately slap cut by the editors to falling face first over. (laughs) Editors, you are my absolute heroes for doing that because that's the sort of comedy that I want in Amazing Race Canada. If Charlotte were to do that, she would somehow like trip and fall right on that precision tool machine. (laughs) <laughs> it's not sore. 
<laughs> Make the basket, Shaq. Hello, Shala. I want to play a game. But the funny thing with the roadblock, though, it's like Steph just sliced her hand open using a precision tool slash machine at the sugarcane task. And then she volunteers herself to do a precision task involving a dangerous piece of equipment. Well, I'm assuming that that is because everyone will be balancing the roadblocks, I would think. Yeah. But, I mean, she could have anticipated be like, oh, yeah, I'll probably do better at the next roadblock if this one seems to be more of a mechanical one. I've not double-checked, but I think everyone is a 5-5 split now. Oh, yeah, I guess there's, I was thinking, does anyone... Has anyone done fewer roadblocks? But then, then I realized there hasn't been a fast forward this season. So we have that split coming up, which means we're probably going to get a double roadblock final leg. Boring. Um, but yeah, I think everyone deliberately didn't even read the clues and just went, whoever's done four roadblocks so far, you're doing it. Which is what I would do. Works so well for Joel. Yeah, is the basis of what I suggested the roadblock participants were in our fake podcast, purely because, you know, there were certain people who still had only done four. But it didn't work out well for Stephen Kristen. And also, uh, oh yeah, with the viewers this season, they've been so they've been taught so much to like jump on any team who uh, who messes up a task related to their profession. But nobody has done that this season, so everyone was let down again. It's like, oh, yep, Joel completed it as fast as he said he would. He didn't mess up. So, Jillian and Emmett obviously leaving first with. Joel and Ashley in second, Stefan Kristen in third, Frankie Naomi in fourth, and Rita Nivette in last. Did you, uh, you miss out on the most controversial moment of this episode? What's that? Emmett wouldn't help Steph. That was like the big hype in the preview, preview and online was like, is Emmett going to help Steph despite her you turning him? And then the episode's not even a big moment. It's always like, eh, not going to help her. And that was it. Well, of course you won't help her. She literally tried to eliminate you last week. And then it's down to five teams, so you've got two eliminations. You don't know how many legs it's going to be, but you can kind of guess there's probably one non-elimination at most coming. You're not going to help teams anymore, especially when there's nothing to be gained from it like an express pass. Yeah, like especially too when Evan and Jillian originally betrayed Steph and Kristen, and then Steph and Kristen, you turned Evan and Jillian. It's like, you know that these two teams are like the least likely to work together on anything for the remainder of the season. And also, there is a big gap between their two averages and everyone else. Yeah, like there's no way they're going to help each other. There's a reason why both teams were looking to U-turn each other just one like earlier. They clearly want to eliminate the their opponents before the final leg because both teams feel like they're very capable, which they have proven they have been, to absolutely slaughter the other three teams and we'll definitely will want to have them with them in the final leg there's half a point between steph and Kristen and jillian and emmett and then nearly a full point between jillian and emmett and joel and ashley that should tell you everything you need to know <laughs> and joel and ashley have already finished the last on an, on one of the legs as well as reading a bit now and frankie and amy pretty much would have been uh would have also been last on the elimination if not for using their express pass uh, during the bold and mussolini bill leg yeah. So, yeah, teams have to find La Davina Pastora. The pit stop for this leg of the race, the last team to check in, may be eliminated. Did you miss out on Emmett's moment of sarcasm this episode, too? Probably. Um, after the volleyball task, uh, Jillian was all excited about finishing first, and then her and Emmett are, I think, in the convertible taxi, or whatever it was, the old school taxi. 
And then she just turns to Emma and says, oh, we did great, didn't we, babe? And then Emma just pauses and he just has the most unenthusiastic response of, yep. Like, he, he was like, yeah, well, we almost lost to Steph and Kristen by the end of it, even though Steph couldn't even really hit the volleyball with their injured hand, plus they were both yelling at each other the whole time. And we barely beat them. I miss bickering Jillian and Emmett. Yeah. I think that was, especially in Cuba, that would have been funnier. That's why I think they're probably going to make the final and then completely cuck it up. Because I just want to see them blow up at each other. Yeah, there's not going to be Topaz to save them them when they're in danger of losing the season this time. Unless Monty screws up at the finish line. And then, (laughs) like, uh, Steph and Kristen make it to the finish line first. And he's like, oh, you're the second team to arrive. And they're like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, crap, I screwed up, but it's too late to fix it now. I already announced it. Well, it's, it's verbal binding. And then uh, Emma and Jillian step on the finish line. It's like, congratulations, you guys won the amazing race. And then the whole, whole audience just gets furious. So, yeah, shocking no one. Jillian and Emmett win the leg. And they also win a trip to Cancun, Mexico, and a copy of Dirty Dancing 2 Havana Nights on Betamax each. <laughs> yeah. And amazingly enough, this is only their third leg win. After how much they dominated the first two Canadian legs, it takes them quite a while to get back to the top of the standings again. And it looks like they crushed it on this leg. It's like there's no middle ground. Either they win by a lot, or they don't win the leg at all. Yeah, their their average for the last five legs is nearly four. Yeah, it's quite a few teams that are beating them, or considering how dominant they looked at the beginning. Which I'm glad about because I, I much prefer Jillian and Emma in bickery snipey mode than anything else. Yeah, rather than just smooth sailing, everything going well. They were cast as exes. They need to live up to the damn exes moniker. Yeah. Oh, this was another mildly inappropriate quote involving Emma and Jillian. When Emma set the roadblock and then uh, when he was talking about how he was annoyed by the silent demonstration but saying that he was uh, really good with his hands. So you want that clipping as well? <laughs> Possibly. Fun fact, the silent demonstration was just done by Pierre and the Michelles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had the option to uh, to do it, but didn't want to particularly. They'll be in the penultimate leg when they go to their meat shop, and then Pierre and Michelle just uh, teach them how to butcher uh, butcher the meat. And Frankie and Abel will love that one. Yep. Uh, Joel and Ashley coming in second, with Steph and Kristen in third. They're still podium. Uh, Frankie and Amy in fourth, and Risha and Yvette are the last team to arrive but they are saved by a quote-unquote surprise non-elimination. Yeah, that was pretty telegraphed. There was no way. When Reed and Vet were in last, it's like, yeah, they they didn't give them any sort of farewell this episode. There is no way they're going home. And next time, teams fly all the way to Sydney, Nova Scotia. Man, that's, that's going to be a culture shock for them. And they have to face Highland Flings, Log Dragging, Barrels, and another double U-turn. And... The thing that preview made me think is, if they're hyping up every task other than the roadblock, the roadblock's probably going to be quite shit. Yeah, they showed a lot of tasks in that preview. But not a roadblock. It'll probably be MEC-sponsored or something like that. Oh god, don't even joke about it. (laughs) No, just kidding, it'll involve Orange Julius. (laughs) Queen Sabrina. Yes. Uh, did you appreciate Monty pronouncing the Spanish names this episode? Oh god, I loved it. Yep, so did I. Monty pronouncing anything is wondrous, and I'm very disappointed he didn't do it for uh, for Vietnam, because I just wanted him to hit, to try and do Vietnamese pronunciation. 
But much like Frankie, uh, Monty couldn't control his Spanish fire. Monty's Spanish speaking is just wondrous, and something I tried to emulate in in my relaying of this ass in this podcast. Yeah, Mundos, which does sound a little bit like the suit clip for Clippers Magnificus. So, who do you think is getting eliminated next week? Because it's an elimination. Let's be honest. Um, Joel and Ashley. See. I have a theory now. Now that it's down to Final Five, I've got a theory of where everyone's probably going to place. Go on. I think Rita and Rivette are gone next week. Because despite your protestations, we've not seen much from them, really. They don't have the winner's edit. Frankie and Amy are winning. I've made that abundantly clear, especially after this episode. Joel and Ashley are probably going to be our fan favourite fourth places. Because no team has ever been disappointed in going out in fourth on Amazing Race Canada. And they they have this sort of Sukin Jinder, Simeon Opie style. This is going to be a really disappointing elimination. And with second and third, I don't know what order it's going to be. I I would hazard a guess that Stefan Christian are probably going to live up to the Natmeg standard and be second. But I, I'm not sure for certain. I think Jillian and Emmett are going to flame out on the final leg. I, I, I would love to see that happen in the final three where both Stefan Kristen and Emmett and Jillian both lose at the end because they were just too focused on each other and not give any of the other teams any credit for potentially winning. I think it's it's a complete red herring that Stefan Kristen or Jillian and Emmett are going to U-turn each other next week. Oh yeah, they're going. they're totally going after each other, yeah. They might go after each other, but it's not going to affect anything, especially when the diesel looks like it's going to be Highland Fling versus Drag This Log somewhere. Yeah, and especially what happened with the first U-turn where it was like, oh, they're both going to on pace to finish top two, if not for Emmett's uh, Prospera speech. I think it's going to be hilarious if Frankie and Amy do sneak in and get the win. Drinks on them. Yep. Cheers to you, Frankie and Amy. So we do have a listener question, which is from Jerry Dowdy, and it's a topic that I know Logan loves talking about, so I have to bring it back up again. Will there there ever be an Amazing Race Canada leg in the US? It seems like it would be relatively easy to do. Well, the Canadian dollar is very, very weak compared to the American dollar right now. However, when I've traveled to the US a couple times this year, everything is cheap enough anyway that even with the exchange rate, it's still cheaper to travel around in the US than it is to travel around places in Canada. However, an American leg still won't happen because Canada is has major America phobia, which is which is very apparent when you look on the Facebook pages and stuff. And that's just a it's very much a cultural thing around here. I can even remember like in school and stuff where where people just bag on the Americans all the time. And just uh, I remember in grade ten we all had to define what it is to be Canadian. And a bunch of people wrote down, oh, we're not this, we're not that, we're not this. And it was like all things that are associated with Americans. So we definitely have this obsession as Canadians to try and differentiate ourselves from Americans. And that's why you see all these remarks online of being like, oh, we shouldn't do this like the American version. Or or you'll see people be like, oh, thank God we don't uh, backstab each other in a minute like the American shows do. So there's this whole mindset to not be like, the American contestants or the American format. Like, even if, like, if there was, like, a cure for cancer developed in the U.S. and Canada and the and the cure developed in the American lab was, like, ten times more effective, we would still go with, like, the Canadian cure just because it's Canadian. Like, that's how, a, uh, maybe not to that extreme, 
but you sort of get the idea that's like we're trying to separate ourselves from that whole American culture and persona as much as possible. So that's why I think if there was ever an American leg on the Mason Race Canada, it would be extremely controversial. The thing that I will say is that Amazing Race has a problem with America in that all the international versions that have been there, so Australia, Israel, and France, have all not had great legs in America. None of them have been stellar. And it seems to be that they just go for the most obvious places because it's all been... Well, France went to LA and uh, Hawaii. Australia went to LA and... Israel went to Vegas and the Hoover Dam, and yeah, that was it. China just went to Atlanta. Oh yeah, I forgot about China. China's been to Atlanta and LA. They're going to LA this week, so I'll include them in that. They're just not very cultural choices. Amazing Race thrives on culture when it comes to a new country. And the fact of the matter is, like it or not, Americans, you don't have the culture that a lot of other countries do. Your country's only been around for 200-odd years. Whereas there's countries around the world that have thousands of years of history. So it's quite difficult for production to come up with something that is culturally appropriate and culturally relevant. I think that John Ashley would like to argue that America's only been around for a couple hundred years. I think there was culture before that, just not what you would associate with American culture. Yeah, you know what I mean by American culture when I say that. Yeah, British but not British initially. From George Washington onwards is what you're saying. Yeah, this building's so old, it's 200 years old. Yeah, which we sadly have that in any Eastern Canada leg in a Masonry's Canada. Well, come to the UK, there's buildings that are thousands of years old. Or Stonehenge. Yeah, they were even hit during World War II and they're still standing. Yeah, Stonehenge, which is prehistoric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's even pictures of dinosaurs hanging around there. Exactly. So, there's a problem when it comes to American legs on... Or, legs in America on The Amazing Race, of the cultural relevancy not being... They would have to do, like, a full-on, like, Hollywood-themed leg or something like that. That would be really neat. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of LA. I've made that abundantly known, especially when we talked about your trip there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure there can ever be a really good leg in LA, unless you go all in on the Hollywood, big locations, make Griffith Observatory the pit stop or something, go to Universal, do some sort of task there. Or go to the studios around there. Yeah, they would have to choose like the really big locations. They couldn't do anything silly. Like, what would be like a minor location they would go to in LA? Like, uh, like they could combine all the different forms of transportation around LA. Because there's a lot of that. Like, they could be using a a taxi, use self drive, use the subway, use the trains, use the you know, use the bus. Just use all forms of transportation within LA. Like, just to show how spread out and crazy it is traffic wise. Yeah, because L.A. is so big and people don't seem to realise that. Yeah, I, I learned that lesson when I was down there three months ago. Yeah, it was Amazing Race fans went to Venice Beach, then the Walt Disney Concert Hall, then the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and then a ranch in Santa Clarita, and then went to Venice Beach. What? Okay, didn't realise that. They went back to Venice Beach for the pit stop. Wow, that would be a lot of travel. Well, actually, not crazy amount, I guess. Yeah, they, d- they did... Because there was an overnight rest in the middle of it, they did the detail, then the overnight rest, and then went back to the detail location for the pit stop. That's weird. Oh, Amazing Race France never changed. So yeah, there's just this issue for Amazing Race worldwide trying to do American legs in the fact that they don't particularly have culture, or the culture that they're looking for. 
doing a leg somewhere like Boston would be awesome, though. If they could do a Freedom Trail-themed leg, think Treasure Hunters, that would be awesome. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Have crazy puzzles. Yes! Find the key, find the treasure. And according to uh, Major Ace Canada producers, the key is behind your eye. So, thank you for listening to this You Want to See Number podcast. You can join us every Wednesday for more Amazing Race Canada recaps. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, where Ben Live tweeted Australian Survivor as well, if you watch that. And on our own Twitter pages, MJ Harmstow for me and Log Super Quacky for Logan. And yeah, Australian Survivor podcasts will be up during the next day or so, hopefully. And you can also follow all the recaps as. The season becomes a little bit busier from this week. Bye. Peace out. Chill. Till the next episode. Okay, that's good. It's coming. Juice is coming. Juices are flowing. Okay, keep going, honey. I'm pretty good with my hands. You're such a firm boy, Em. It's not as much money as it used to be in dairy farming.